You're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down and travelling isn't really an option. So I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Travel Bubble podcast with me, Matty Dias. Welcome to listeners old and new, whatever you are in the world. I'm doing another one of my intros on location today. I didn't get any hate mail for the last one I did in Belfast, so I thought maybe maybe I'll keep it going and um, do intros on the go. Adam Buxton-esque. I'm not comparing myself to Adam Buxton, but I, I really do like his intros where he just he's out and about rambling and he does his uh, does his intros on the go. So this intro is recorded just on the River Lou in Cornwall. So you might be able to hear the a little the little trickle of the river in the background. So we'll see how it goes. Um, just finished a week's tour in Ireland and Northern Ireland. It was fantastic. The weather was good. And I got back yesterday, back to Cornwall, and it's good to be here. Thanks for all the uh, reviews and ratings of last week's podcast. I had a couple of good reviews online as well this week, so don't forget, you you can do that if you haven't already. Give us a review on Apple or Spotify. Another way of supporting the podcast is just going back and listening to old episodes. Pick a name, pick a number, pick a title, pick a picture. Go back and listen, and you're guaranteed to get a bit of travel inspiration. Um, for future future trips. Um, what else can I say? I'd say, in the in the vein of supporting the podcast, tell your friends, follow, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, share our posts, and just keep telling people about the travel bubble world. The more more people we know, more people you tell, the bigger the bubble grows, as we say. And now it's time for episode forty four with Harry Mitzidis. I've entitled this episode uh, Nomad Maniac and not because um, Harry is actually a maniac but he's the founder of um, a website called Nomad Mania and it's it's kind of what um, the top travellers use to keep track of their travels and also it's like a way of independently verifying these people who say you know they've been to every country in the world etc Harry and his team uh, verify these people, keep track of them. But it's also a good way of everyone just being able to keep track of where they've been and where they want to go. Uh, it's a good, it's a really good resource, and it's one it's one that I found, um, and I use it to keep track of myself. And you can see where you are in world rankings and etc. But even if you've not been to millions of countries, it's it's worth checking out. And you, um, I, if you start now, you can keep keep track of your where you've been and what you've been doing for. Uh, for the for the foreseeable future, so it's a really great resource. Um, that's why it's called Nomad Maniac. But Harry himself, he kind of needs no introduction, especially not in the travel world. Um, if you're a top traveller, chances are you know who Harry is. He's one of the most travel men. Well, one of the most travel people in the world ever. He's been around, put it that way. So this is the the, the reason of this podcast is to speak to people who've been there and done that. And get travel inspiration, because um, if you've been to every country in the world, 
we want to know what your top three favourite countries are, really. And so it's fascinating to talk to Harry, who's who, who has really travelled, who has really been around. So I'll let you get back into it. Um, I'll be back at the end for a bit more travel bubble chat. But in the meantime, I'll leave you with episode 44, Nomad Maniac, with the wonderful Harry Mitsidis. Thank you. Hi, Harry. Welcome to Travel Bubble. Hello, Matty. Thank you for having me. For our listeners, Harry, where in the world are you right now? I am in Kent, in beautiful, cloudy Kent in the UK. Okay. And, Harry, I'm going to jump right in here and go, why are you a good guest for Travel Bubble? Uh, who says I'm a good guest? I prefer to be a bad guest. <laughs> uh, well, I've traveled quite a bit. Um, I know my geography well. Uh, I'm the founder of Nomad Mania, which is by some considered the leading site in this type of thing. Uh, it may or may not be, depending on your perspective, but as the founder of it, it means that I know many travelers. Uh, I believe I feel what travelers want, or, you know, obviously travelers want a variety of things, but everyone wants a value added experience. Um, and yeah, I think given how much I've seen, there are some things that I, I could share. Yeah. Yeah. Harry, I think you've been a bit modest there. Like, there's. You've, you've been called the most travelled man in the world. What do, what do you think about that um, title? That's rubbish. Well, first <laughs> of all, uh, uh, I don't believe there is such a thing. You know, uh, I think everyone always wants to get superlatives. Like, this is the most, you know, the biggest this, the biggest that. And, uh, you know, there is a tallest person because you can measure that. But I don't think there's a biggest traveler because there isn't really a criterion. So I've traveled a lot. Um, I have been to every country. Uh, and even though there's issues about what is a country and how do you define it, uh, I think I have been to every one. Uh, but apart from that, you know, I just keep on going and try to explore more and more. And I bet I haven't been where you are now. So, uh, you know, that, that makes me <laughs> not so well-travelled after all. Well, Harry, let's go back to Nomad Mania. Then you touched on it there. Um, and Nomad Mania kind of splits the world up into regions, doesn't it? Because some people say, well, I've been there, I've done that, I've been to that country, and they might have spent X amount of time in a, in a place like 12 hours or six hours, whatever. And in one city, in one, in one part of that country, Nomad Mania kind of divides the whole world into like 1,281 regions, is it? It's 1,301 now. Apologies. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Well, the idea is that a country is not enough. If you've been to New York, you can't say you've done the States. Uh, and so on and so forth. Obviously, uh, Liechtenstein is very small, and if you've been to its capital, you know, you can get away with it. But uh, the world has so much to offer. And so we wanted to create a division which makes sense, which is big enough, but still manageable enough. So, you know, it's not 10,000 pieces where you'd lose count completely. I think with 1,301, you can still get 
every state of the US, every division of China, you know, every province of Argentina, uh, but at the same time have something that you can aim for and which is more or less doable. That's the philosophy. So why was Nomad Mania created? What was the idea behind it? I had nothing better to do at the time. <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, when I finished every country, uh, I found myself, I was 36 at the time, that was in 2008, and I found myself without an aim. You know, it was a bit of an anticlimax. Uh, and then I'm like, well, what now? You know, I still had the travel bug. It's not like uh, I was going to stay put. And I think Nomad Mania or the idea behind it was what propelled me to keep on traveling. But beyond that, I think I wanted to fight against this idea of country ticking. I'm like, you know, you shouldn't just be ticking countries. You should aim to really explore the world. So if you've got a detailed division, then, you know, you can go for that. That's how it started. That was 10 years ago. It's developed beyond my wildest dreams now we are a non-profit uh we give scholarships we've actually got six ukrainian students waiting to take a trip their first trip abroad but right now because of the situation we're actually employing two of them and we're kind of trying to help the others out uh, it's kind of almost become a family so it's branched out into a lot more than than what it was initially meant to be and of course right now it's a forum uh, it's a community people have met each other uh, we've got a lot of the biggest travelers in the world on board and quite a lot of the smaller travelers as well who like it so uh, i think it's a worthwhile project and this is what i do with my time when I'm not traveling. Well, absolutely, Harry. I found you through Nomad Mania. And for me, I, I class myself as like a smaller traveler. And I, I will encourage the listeners to go and check it out. You don't have to be the most well-traveled man in the world to go on it. You, I, I kind of use it to um, like track where I've been and where I want to go. But also, there's it's not just about countries and regions. It's like cities, UNESCO sites, transport options and like i was in turkey recently and it's kind of because travels slow travel and box ticking it's like a, it's a dilemma isn't it really and <laughs> you're like when one side of me wants to go to every country then one side of me goes no i want to i want to slow travel around this country but what nomad mania it's kind of helped me find that balance so in turkey the other day i was like right i'm gonna go to this place because then I've been to, it's another UNESCO site and what's on the Nomad Mania list of the most cultural experience and it kind of gives you a guideline as well which I, I find really helpful oh well I'm, I'm glad it could be helpful for you and uh, and anyone else who's interested in it yeah we've invested a lot of time developing what we call series which are basically things to see and do per category uh, so you've got aquariums and then you've got this big list of global aquariums, caves. Uh, then we've got some quirky categories like the dark side, uh, you know, cemeteries and things. Or, you know, bizarrium, which are just weird things uh, which you know make you laugh, I suppose. So, yeah, we've spent a lot of time and that's why I think it's a useful tool. Uh, to be very honest, I don't actually always use it 
because uh, I, I like just being surprised by a place, <laughs> which might sound strange, but I, I like going to a place and figuring it out without reading or knowing about it before. So quite often I just let myself go. Well, that's refreshing because you can see people like they over plan and they over read and they, and you can never, people, people tackle things differently, don't they? But it's refreshing to hear that you, you don't do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so Harry, let's go back to you personally. When did you like get into travel? What about, what's your background and tell us a bit about yourself? Well, look, um, I was born in the UK, but I grew up in Greece. Uh, my father's Greek. My mum was born in South Africa. Uh, I think having that um, multiculturalism back then, especially, it was less common than today. Uh, so I think from an early age, I was very, very much aware of cultural differences, of geography. We used to come from Greece to the UK twice a year to visit my grandparents who lived here. So, uh, you know, I was traveling even when I was a baby. Uh, and my parents liked to travel for their time. I guess they were pioneers. Uh, we did a trip to the Far East in the mid 80s when that was still very exotic. You know, uh, Thailand was wow. You know, it's, it wasn't like everyone goes there like they yeah. do now. So, um, so I think all that was the initial thing. I also really liked aviation as a child, and I still do. Uh, getting on a plane, even now, is this big thrill. So all that combined got me going. Um, I don't think it was conscious. Uh, like, I don't think at some point, or at least at the beginning, I said, I'm going to visit every country. I just wanted to see as much as I could. And then gradually, once you hit a certain number, uh, you know, once I reached 100 countries, I'm like, well, how many are there? Uh, I might as well try to do them all. And, and then it became more uh, specific, you know, and, and, uh, and I was really aiming for that. Uh, and I probably did it a bit too fast. Uh, in terms of background, I studied sociology, which also links to my interest in culture. I also did an MBA. I worked for a number of years as a lecturer in human resources, organizational behavior. But ultimately, I think my love for travel overtook everything else. So now uh, I travel and I run Nomad Mania. That's what I do. Okay, amazing. And how do you decide where you're going next, Harry? Like what's, that, that really intrigues me. Well, sometimes things decide for me, such as when COVID hit, you know, there were very, very few choices. Uh, so, you know, I went where I could go. Um, it's not always rational. Uh, you know, sometimes it's about uh, what do I miss? For example, right now, uh, it's been five years since I was in Southeast Asia. Uh, also because of COVID and those countries have been closed. So I think one of my next trips will be to Thailand and Vietnam, which have now opened up, mainly because I miss them. You know, I, yeah. I think when you've traveled, I, I, when you've traveled and you've been to countries again and again, you almost feel like the countries are family, you know, like a family member. You associate every, every country with something, with a smell, a way of life. And, and then when you, you, you don't, like with family, if you don't see them 
for a long time, you tend to miss them. I, I feel it's the same with countries. So uh, the last uh, couple of years, because of COVID, I traveled quite a lot in Europe and also in Africa because those countries opened up. But I've missed Latin America and, and the Far East. So uh, that is one way. I decide how to go, you know, what do I miss? Sometimes it's got to do with um, what regions I still haven't done, uh, what is there left to see. Uh, now I'm, I'm trying to increase my World Heritage Site count uh, because I think it's a bit low. Uh, and, um, you know, there aren't really any criteria. Yeah. You know, it's quite random. Okay. Harry, you mentioned that you... you you said that you'd done all your every country in the world too fast. Um, what do you mean? Because you, the people who've been to every country in the world is getting younger, and then what? Can you comment on like the competitive nature of like the country counting or that kind of yeah. world? Yeah. Well, look, when I did it, uh, I wasn't aware that there were other people doing it. Back then, there, there wasn't Facebook, you know, uh, there was not an online community. So, you know, I was I did it entirely alone without knowing anyone else who's done it. Um, now, of course, everything's changed. You've got a number of resources. Um, I do think that um, collecting countries can be fun, but often uh, it can take away from the experience of the country. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why Nomad Mania makes sense to me. You know, I kind of regret having done them all that quickly, especially with Africa, where I was literally ticking them off, going to the capital for a day and then leaving. That that was such a waste, you know, and I, I am very glad that I've had the opportunity to go back. And now I really understand the differences among the African countries, which many people sometimes don't you know if you do too many of them too fast you just think oh well they're all more or less the same but they're not just like european countries yeah. aren't the same. so um so yeah i mean i do understand that it's almost like a game for some people it's a self challenge you know it's like let me see if i can do it some other people of course try to monetize that and there's nothing wrong with that i mean if you can make a living by traveling to every country, well, why not? You know, it's a legitimate yeah. thing to do. But, <laughs> but I think overall, if you want to appreciate the world, it should be done in, at a slower pace, I think. Okay, ideal. Um, Harry, I know you, you, you verify people on Nomad Mania and like you, do you get any bloggers and people who are pretending? Because ultimately yeah. you're, you're just lying to yourself, aren't you really? Like, it's strange. Yeah. Yeah, we do, unfortunately, well, which is why we've got verification. Uh, just just to make it clear, we don't verify everybody. That would be impossible. Uh, Nomad Mania is a non-profit. Um, most or some of the people who uh, work with us are just volunteering their time. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, I mean, we verify people who uh, claim more you know, who are higher in the ranks, just to make sure that they're being honest. Uh, I think in most cases, people make some honest errors, especially with regions. You know, they may not have understood where the border was and they ticked something that they hadn't visited. And that's fair enough. We have had some 
major frauds. Uh, at some point recently, we checked someone's World Heritage sites, and the proof we got was full of photoshopped photos of that traveler with supposed banners of the places that um, <laughs> had allegedly been visited. Yeah. But we, I recognized the Photoshop immediately. And, uh, and yeah, that was embarrassing for the traveler. I, I really don't know. But I think some, some people, not the majority, but some people do have too big an ego. And, and perhaps for them, appearing to be in the first or second or third position means the world i i cannot understand it either but well it is what it is yeah people are people yeah <laughs> well harry it's so so good to have someone on the uh, like someone like yourself on the podcast the idea is to talk to well-traveled people and to, to provide inspiration like what are those what are those people's favorite countries so to have someone as well-traveled as yourself is is, is really um uh, it's a boon so Harry, what I might do is I might jump into your travel bubble choices then, because I'm, I'm I'm eager to hear them. Harry, what would be your travel bubble destination number one? Okay, let me just understand this. So this yeah, okay, let's like let, let's scoot back. So favorite destination. So Harry, <laughs> uh, we'll go back to the premise. You're only allowed to visit three countries for the rest of your life, and your birth country is not included. So um, the UK for yourself is is fine. You've got the UK. You'll always have the UK. Like, imagine the world's like in this like pandemic bubble, and you're only allowed to choose three countries to travel to, and they'll be in your travel bubble for the rest of your life. Nowhere else, mm. just those three countries. And some people choose it by places. Some people choose it by people, but. Um, Basically, I, I want to know what would your choices be. Very so. interesting. Well, just for the record, I I had no clue of what this is going to be about, so I haven't prepared any <laughs> answers or, or thought about it. I, I'm going to come up with it spontaneously. Well, so that's good. Say number one, uh, and that doesn't mean it's necessarily my favorite country, but if I only have three for the rest of my life, number one would be Colombia. Okay. Uh, and I pick that because it's a relatively big country, so there's a lot you can do. Uh, you've got beaches, which I love, but you've also got mountains. Uh, you've got colonial uh, villages and small towns, but also a big, you know, a number of big uh, urban centers. Uh, decent food, a vibrant culture i generally love latin cultures and i think colombia combines a lot so there's a little bit of african elements as well in certain areas uh but you know mainly latin um and then you've got the amazon in the south so i think you get a lot of variety with colombia um and of course the price is right <laughs> i don't know if that matters but, you know it uh, may, if it may, yeah it certainly matters so, so Harry, what, uh, what's your experience with Columbia? Columbia, how many times have you been? When did you first go? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of times. Uh, five, six, okay. maybe. Uh, I first went in 2005, and then I only went to Cartagena, uh, which is probably destination number one anyway. It's kind okay. of the uh, colonial gem. Um, and I went there then because 
um, you know, Colombia at the time was still considered dangerous. I mean, it might still be considered, but but not not like it was back then. So I thought Cartagena was a safer choice. So I didn't see anything else that time. But I've been a number of times since. Um, I've been around the country, although not as much as I I would like. Uh, there's a lot to still do, and yeah, it's a fascinating, lovely country. Perfect, Harry. One thing I ask for every country would be uh, for for the listeners really. I'm for myself, but what would be your must-do activity or thing to do in Colombia, like or place to go? Like, what's what springs to mind when you think of Colombia activity place? Well, what would you say? Oof. Dance. Okay. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like get on the dance floor, dance to the Latin rhythms. You know, that's what I do, and I I I may not look it, but I am an avid dancer when the music's right so uh, <laughs> you know that um yeah yeah that's what i do in colombia in terms of favorite place it's a really difficult choice because colombia has so much variety i couldn't give you one uh i think i'd pick medellin though uh because it's got that rawness about it you know because of its history you've got that kind of a little bit sinister feeling but it's not that sinister anymore and and i think i like that edge that you get in medellin it's a really great city okay um and another thing i ask for every country harry because i'm obsessed with like food and drink um <laughs> Um, aren't we all but like what would um what would be your food memory of Colombia? so it, it could be like a dish it could be a restaurant it could be a bar it could be i was sitting on a beach drinking this cocktail you know what i mean what, what springs to mind when you think of Colombia for you oh gosh you got me there it's uh, difficult isn't it it's not easy this podcast Harry. coffee Coffee, real okay. coffee, you know, no Nescafe there, you know, it's the real thing. Yeah, I can almost smell the coffee beans thinking of it. So uh, I'm going to go with that. I do, Harry, that, that, that's what I want. Like that that thing that you just, when you think of Colombia, you think of coffee. It just comes in your head. You've got that yeah. smell and yeah, exactly. That's that's what I want, Harry. That's, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else? So travel bubble choice number one would be Colombia. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we move on? Mm, about Colombia. Well, yeah. I'm just going to urge all the listeners to visit as soon as they can. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, Harry, what would be your travel bubble choice number two? All right. Well, number two would be Serbia. Okay. Uh, and this is definitely a controversial choice. Now, there are reasons for this. Um, first of all, I speak fluent Serbian, uh, which may come as a surprise. Yeah, why? Not... <laughs> why, Harry? Well, okay, I'm a bit of an idealist. I really hate violence. When NATO bombed Yugoslavia, well, what was then Yugoslavia, called Yugoslavia, but it was Serbia, in 1999, I got really upset and I decided, Decided that I was going to learn the language and become a friend of the Serbian people. For the record, I'm learning Ukrainian now, so it's uh, it seems to be my general reaction. So, uh, so I learned Serbian from scratch. It's a very difficult Slavic language, uh, 
but I did it. I speak it really well. So I think knowing that means that in Serbia, I get so much more from my interactions. I mean, when you speak a language anywhere, you meet people much more easily. You understand the context more. Uh, and obviously in a country like Serbia, where very few people do speak the language, very few outsiders, you get such a great welcome when you're there. Uh, so, I mean, that's the personal side. But on a more objective, perhaps, perspective, I find Serbia is very underrated. Um, it's a really interesting country. It's almost two in one because of different history. The South used to belong to the Ottoman Empire and the North used to belong to Austro-Hungary. That means that in terms of architecture and atmosphere, the North and the South are like two countries, two very different countries. And so you get two in one. Even the script is different. So Serbian is the only European language which is written in two scripts. You've got Cyrillic and you've got Latin, and they learn them both. So you've got uh, a newspaper will be issued in both. Uh, and you can pick which one you want. So, I mean, even that shows the, the kind of historical differences of the country. There's some incredible nature, um, incredible trails. In the east, it's very moody and foggy, you know, toward Romania, that side. No one goes there. So, you know, you literally enjoy, you know, trails all to yourself. Uh, and then um, you've got, different cultures as well. In the South, you've got a bit of a more Turkish element. Uh, some Muslims, the Sanjak, that is the area towards Montenegro. So Muslims live there and obviously they have a different way of life uh, that adds to the cultural complexity of the place. Uh, so yeah, for all these reasons, it's Serbia. Okay, amazing, Harry. And going back to you, like 1999, you learned the language. Um, how like what did you do once you what did you do once you'd learned it like did you go over there did what did you get involved well i i kept on going so once the country opened in a more normal way after uh after the bombing i started going twice or three times a year i did the summer school course uh at the university of novi sad so a summer school in serbian language and literature and there i met many people so that that way i already created a network and once you've got a network then you know you, you'll meet more and more people you know through them uh and so then i had a, a reason to go which was not just the country but because many people became friends uh so uh you know i kind of differentiate travel for travel and travel for socializing. I mean, the travel for socializing is not really travel anymore for me. Uh, it's still great, but you know, if I'm going to a friend, I'm much more relaxed. It's not about seeing things, it's just about being with a friend. Uh, so, um, so that's how I did it. I started going more and more. At one point I moved there for about six, or was it eight, eight months? Uh, but then I decided that living there is, uh, is not a good idea. You know, when you, when you love a place, it might be best to, to put a little distance from it. Okay. Because uh, if, you, if you live in a place, then you see everything that's wrong about it. If you just visit <laughs> it, then you can keep it in the realm of the idealized. Yeah. <laughs> so, Harry, where, where, where have you lived? Out of interest. 
you mean all the places throughout my life? Well, uh, yeah, well, well, most people can answer that in like a second. <laughs> like, okay, well, <laughs> where have you lived? Well, I, I've lived in Athens for most of my life because I grew up there. Then I lived in Oxford, in London, uh, in Helsinki, uh, in Switzerland for a few years, uh, in Oman, uh, where I worked, then uh, in, in Serbia, uh, in Poland, and the, the past few years I've been living, living in Kent which is probably one of the least interesting of the places I said. <laughs> I'm getting older too, so yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, Harry, I think Serbia, that's the first time it's come up, uh, which is great. Um, what would be like the, the must-do or the recommended thing to do in Serbia for someone that's, that's going to visit there? Again, that depends a lot on what you like. Yeah, I know it's very it's very subjective. Yeah, Belgrade is is known almost as the party capital of Eastern Europe. It's got a really good uh, party scene. I mean, that's not really what I'm looking for, but maybe some of the younger listeners. But, uh, Harry, that- this is this is like your travel bubble. So what 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 about uh, you? I just like walking and looking at street scenes and having a coffee and just observing people going by and reading the paper. That <laughs> is my Serbian experience. Remember, yeah. I can I can read the language. So yeah. that is my quintessential Serbian experience. But but you know now when I go, it's no longer an exploration. It's like going home. Going home. So, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of my happy place, which is really weird because no one would ever think of Serbia like that <laughs> as their happy place. But there you go. You know, that's how it, it happened for me. So, um, yeah, but I think um, in general, Serbia has great nature and I really like hiking in the west of the country where you've got... Um, a sort of river, Uvat it's called, and there's even a few uh, photos of it. There's this river that kind of goes around, uh, uh, it's like a serpentine, isn't it called that? And it goes around. That's uh, really beautiful. So uh, a nice hike and then a nice lunch. And since you, you, you're going to ask me about food, yeah. I can already say that the best thing to have is punjena pleskavica, which means essentially a filled meatball and it's filled with cheese and ham so it's a calorie bomb you know as you <laughs> the cheese melts away onto the plate and it's just divine you know irresistible <laughs> oh, sounds amazing so harry yeah. travel bubble choice number two is serbia anything else you'd like to say before we move on okay so you want travel bubble three do you yeah what would be your travel bubble choice number three Well, look, given that I only have three choices, it needs to be radically different from the other two. Because if I'm only going to be traveling to these three countries, I need to kind of squeeze out all the variety of the world. So I've got a (laughs) Latin place and I've got a sort of Eastern European place, which combines a bit of a sort of post-Soviet atmosphere as well so i've got all that dealt with so the third choice would have to be either africa or asia in order to get things into the mix and 
I'm trying to think, again, uh, since you're giving me the thing that I can only go there, it needs to be a country that's big enough to offer variety. So I'm going to go with Indonesia. Okay. Um, and why uh, Indonesia out of, all, out of those two continents? Why have, you, why have you come down to Indonesia? All right. Well, Indonesia is huge. Uh, it may not look like that on the map, but if, if there were, was a direct flight from the one end to the other, that would be a six-hour flight. So that's a long way. You know, it's, it's a big country with a lot of regional variation. So, I mean, if you look at the east, you've got Papua. And, I mean, the people in Papua are not like the rest of Indonesia. They are sort of Aborigines, you know, yeah, more yeah. like uh, Papua New Guinea, you know, tribal. Uh, and you've got a lot of the cultures there. Um, the kind of, uh, then again, you've got different peoples in Indonesia. In fact, I think only about 17% of the population speak the language as their native uh, sort of first language, uh, which means that there's a lot of different languages spoken on the, on the islands. Um, I think uh, it's chaotic, which I like, but it's not chaotic in a in a threatening way uh in my opinion it's a relatively safe country which sort of colombia may not be so indonesia um for me you know would would take a safe box somewhat um and um yeah again you've got beaches you've got a lot of different culture uh, in sumatra you've got some great mountains and uh, and lake toba you know um there's a lot to do. And I mean, karaoke in Jakarta, what could be better than that? <laughs> so, I mean, if you ask me for what I associate, because I've done it and, and I remember, not only have I done it, but I actually went back to Jakarta on a different trip only to do it again. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that in itself takes the piss out of everything. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a fun country. Um, and and then, of course, you've got Bali. If you want to take time out from everything else and, and have a bit of a more spiritual experience. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that would be Indonesia. Yeah, so you're getting banged for your buck. You're getting all those things in one country. Yeah. What's, exactly. your, what's your karaoke song, Harry? <laughs> I can give you the title, but you're not going to know it. It's actually in Indonesian. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's called Kasihku Yang Hilang, and it means my love who's lost or something like that. Okay. <laughs> I, I randomly heard it at a cafe one time, and I asked, because it was a nice melody, so I asked what's that song, and they told me, and I then went off and bought the CD. This was like, almost 20 years ago and then i actually <laughs> karaoke did this song so this is the kind of ridiculous side of me that um that really enjoys traveling for you know weirdness rather than anything <laughs> else yeah. that's great um and is the so would literally your must do thing in, in indonesia would be going to do karaoke in jakarta oh yeah absolutely perfect yeah. i like it's, it i mean that, that's that's obviously that's a pan-asian thing i mean you can do it in korea you know, it's not limited to Indonesia. It's just that I have experienced it most yeah. there 
so uh, that that's how I associate it. Yeah, ideal. And is there a food memory or something that springs to mind when you think of Indonesia for you? Um, there are, but I won't say they're specific. I mean, I really like my simple noodles with an egg on top. You know, it yeah. doesn't need to be anything special at a sort of local eatery and it costs 50p or something. That's, <laughs> that, that's great. You know, that's very authentic. And, um, and I, again, I can conjure the kind of chaos around me and all the people and, uh, and you know, the kind of little stool where you're sitting. And I'm, I'm a bit on the heavy side. So, you know, that stool may or may not make it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, these are all great memories. And, and I really miss Southeast Asia, as I said. So I can't wait to go back to that region soon. Ideal. Thank you, Harry. So we've had your three travel bubble choices one of the world's most traveled men uh, colombia serbia indonesia thank you very much harry now um i'm gonna ask you something now it's your wild card country so this is or your wild card place so for most people this is the place that's at the top of the bucket list maybe um so the wild card is included in your travel bubble so what we've what would be your wild card somewhere you've never been harry but you can you can lump it into your travel bubble Okay, so this doesn't need to be a country. It well, for you, for yourself, for yourself, it, it's it's a you you got you're in a grey area. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to answer it two ways because um, if we're looking at countries and at a broad definition of countries, which would then include territories, there's only one inhabited territory I haven't been to. And it is called Tokelau. And that is a tiny place off Samoa. It officially belongs to New Zealand, but um, the people there are Polynesian. And so it's three small inaccessible atolls. And because I haven't been there and it's the only one, that would be my wild card. Because obviously I want to tick that off. Um, But that wouldn't be in terms of interest. Uh, I mean, you know, I I know what to expect and there probably isn't that much uh, there. Um, If it were in terms of something that I really want to experience and see, um, and I haven't seen... You've got me there. I need. I need to think about that. Um, okay. Um, I have never been to Machu Picchu. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is travel one hundred and one. So uh, I'm going to go with that, which is a very safe option, perhaps. But it's it's my wild card just because I haven't yet been there, and it's a bit embarrassing because you know, like everyone has been there, I just didn't bother when i was in cusco so, uh, so yeah so, so you've got we've got opposite ends of the scale so we've got <laughs> tokelau and um machu picchu <laughs> well thanks harry that's your travel bubble choices wrapped up and of course you've got the uk as well so you can have the uk um in there as well um, no, well, well, thank you. Uh, I, I would probably spend minimal time in the UK, you know, <laughs> j- just enough to have a trifle and a pork pie or something, <laughs> and then I'd be off again. Class. Uh, so, Harry, there are your travel bubble choices. Uh, before you go, I want, I'm going to ask you some like generic travel questions um, that I ask every every uh, guest at the end of the uh, show. If that's okay. Sure, go ahead. So, Harry. Um, 
I'm not sure if you're a materialistic person, but I ask this to everyone. What's the best souvenir you've got from all your travels? Is there, is there something that you've collect, you've got, and you you love? Um, you, you're talking about something tangible. Something tangible, uh, something physical, maybe. I know someone's chosen a tattoo before. Um, yeah. Well, I don't really buy things anymore because I travel very light. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a backpack. Sometimes I buy a plate with, and, and the kitschier, the better, you know. So, yeah. so, you know, they're not meant to be in the best of taste. And some countries really deliver in, in <laughs> you know, preposterous looking plates. So, uh, so you know, that, that is something that I might buy if I find something that catches my eye. Uh, and it's not too big and it's easy to carry. But other than that, um, I think my most valuable souvenir is in my head. You know, it's and because I've got a good memory, you know, if you mention the name of a place and I've been there, I can immediately uh, conjure it up in my head. Yeah. And I think that is the best souvenir, you know, to to remember it. So, yeah. yeah. Do you take many photos, Harry? Sorry, any? Do you take many photographs? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Uh, I think I've got more than a million uh, photos from my travels. Uh, the problem is I take many, but I very rarely return to have a look at them because I never have time. I'm always off on my next adventure. So uh, <laughs> but I do I do document everything with photos. Perfect. Yeah. And um Next question, Harry. What would be your top travel tip? Now, this this is a bit, a bit of a broad question, but it could be practical, like always carry X, or it could be esoteric. But what when I ask you what's your top travel tip for a listener, what would you say? Be an ambassador for your country. Okay. Um, and I, I cannot... I, I think people, when they travel, they they often travel for themselves. And I think it's important to reverse that and to learn to travel for the the others. That means the people in the country you're traveling in. Um, so that's my travel tip. Nice. What, 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 how can someone do that, Harry? What do you mean by that? First of all, you need to smile a lot. Uh, when things get annoying, uh, which they often do when you're in a strange country and you don't know how things work, let it be, you know, don't allow yourself to get frustrated. Uh, try to remember that you're a guest wherever you are. Things will not always work as you'd like them to and just go with the flow. Uh, I think you can just try to spread good energy. And I think, you know, I've been treated very kindly almost everywhere. Uh, and I, I have very few negative experiences from traveling. Uh, and I think it's important that you share that back with the people in the country you're in. Just, you know, if, you, if you're going to sit at a cafe and have a drink, smile to the person serving you. Uh, tell them that you love the place, you know, make their day a bit better. Uh, I think that's very important. And do you think that kind of opens doors as well, Harry? Like, has that opened, opened doors for you? Like, going that extra mile and being, being nicer? Is it, do you think that's led to certain experiences for yourself? Um, it, it, well, off the top of my head, I wouldn't say it has, but it just spreads good energy. You know, uh, I, I even did do that in the UK. I mean, I went to a Costa Coffee 
and I recognize that the server was Romanian and I speak Romanian. So I just spoke to her in Romanian and she was like, what? Where are you from? I'm like, I'm from England, but I love Romania. I think it's a great country. And she looked back and said, no one has ever told me that. And you've just made my day. And I thought, well, there, you know, I made someone's day, even if it's for a minute or two. And she was really proud next to her colleague who was not Romanian. She was like, look at me, you know. <laughs> uh, so I think if, if you can do that um, when you're traveling, you're just spreading a good vibe and it will come back to you. Uh, so I really believe in that, you know. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that's my tip. Remember that uh, because... I mean, it can be tiring. It can be frustrating. Uh, you know, you have a plan and then the timetable is messed up and, you know, the cars break down and, uh, <laughs> you know, you're ripped off for 10 euros and you get you can get really angry and upset. It's not worth it, you know, okay. really. Yeah. I do. Well, Harry, that, that kind of leads into my next question would be, we've talked, like, travel's great and we all love it. Uh, I, have you been in any dangerous or sticky situations while you've been on your adventures? Well, look, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't have any travel credentials if I hadn't been in dangerous situations. Uh, yeah, I've been in some voluntarily. So, I mean, I, I went to Mogadishu, uh, which uh, is maybe not the wisest thing to do. Uh, and I actually, I've been there not once, but twice. But the first time I went to Mogadishu, uh, I think I was the first person to, uh, and the first foreigner or tourist rather, to enter um, once the bad guys left town. So it was literally a few weeks after they had gone. And it was really an adrenaline rush. But nothing bad happened to me. So, you know, I, uh, you know, I had my measures. I had the local guy with me. And so I was taken care of well. Um, the, the the hardest experience I've had in terms of danger was when I uh, ended up in prison in Yemen. Uh, that that wasn't fun. Uh, you know, uh, I deserved it. Uh, I I was naughty. I did something I shouldn't have, uh, <laughs> and I got I got into trouble. Can I you elaborate, Harry, or is it off the record? <laughs> no, it's nothing too bad. I just. Um, Let's just say that I got into the country without the proper documentation. Ah, okay. You know, uh, so, um, you know, and I have never done that anywhere else. But I think there, my, my uh, desire to go in, and it's not like I hadn't been to Yemen before. I had, but uh, on that particular occasion, I just had to cross the border. Uh, and I did, but I paid for it. Now, that was not fun. Uh, it's a good story because we ended up, becoming Facebook friends with one of the policemen, you know, that kind of ridiculous <laughs> thing that happens. But um, but it was scary while it lasted, mainly because it's not so much the actual present, it's more the future. You do not know how it's going to play out. Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of situation, anything could happen, and you don't know how nasty it can get and what their intentions are. So that is what was scary but i mean in the end it was all right and, so how, uh, how long did it last it lasted uh 12 hours yeah. so that's not too bad it was one cockroach and mosquito infested night let's put it that okay way. right <laughs> well at least you got out of the 
Um, and Harry, this is um, another thing that I ask everyone. Have you got like a go-to travel anecdote? You, you meet someone at a dinner party and they find out that you've been places and you've been everywhere. Have you got like that that funny travel story or that thing that you, you've got? <laughs> and it's a, hard, it's a hard one now. No, I'm really bad at telling stories. <laughs> uh, I'm better at writing them. So uh, I have written a book. Um, it's not really about me. Uh, and it's not entirely about traveling. Uh, it's not only about traveling, but it does have a travel angle. So a few of the anecdotes from the travels are in that book. If anyone's interested, it's called The Curious Case of William Bakeland. So it's not really about me. Uh, it's about a chap called William Bakeland, or actually who was not called William Bakeland. So that might give you a bit of, a, uh, of an indication what it's about. Uh, but yeah, I'm not good at telling stories, really. Uh, I, I don't think I'm really that spontaneous. I'm better at answering questions. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Harry, um, we're, we're nearly coming to an end. We're nearly, nearly going to wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Any words of wisdom, wisdom? Anything that you think we've missed that you've that I'll keep myself from asking you? Well, if you're listening, do give Nomad Mania a chance. Uh, it's, uh, we, we get nothing out of it other than the joy of creating a community. Uh, and um, I believe we've achieved that. Other than that, all I can say is that travel, in my opinion, really is the best thing in the world. I can't think of anything better. Uh, I can't think of anything that gives me personally such a thrill. And the one thing I'm glad about is that even though I'm 50 now and I've traveled quite a lot, I still get that thrill every time, you know, yeah. it, it never gets old. And so I hope that it's the same for everyone. You know, if you're not traveling with that thrill, but only to take places or because, you know, you feel you've got to, then you need to take a break until you get that thrill again. Yeah. Ideal. Well, thank you very much, Harry. It's been an absolute thank pleasure speaking to you, someone so well-traveled as yourself. Thank you, Maddie, for having me. It's a great show, you know, and uh, and thanks for coming up with this and for the initiative. Keep it up. Thank you, Harry. I hope it made you think as well. Made you work for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have been listening to episode 44 of the Travel Bubble podcast with me, Matty Dias, and my guest this week, Harry Mitsidis. How good was that? The world's most the world's best traveled man how mad is that if you asked me 44 episodes would i be speaking to the the most traveled man in the world i would have been surprised but i'm very happy that harry gave us give us his time and came on the podcast and if you haven't already stop what you're doing and go and check out nomad mania uh it's a really great resource and you can see where you are in the rankings obviously harry is number one he's been to more regions than anyone else in the world He's certainly been around, and it's just great to hear his choices. Um, so, what a, what an episode, really. What an episode. Um, if you love Travel Bubble, uh, go out and spread the word. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Visit our website, travelbubblepodcast.com, and you can donate money as well by going on buymeacoffee.com, and you can find that link on our website too. Um, 
any other news i'll say a big congratulations to regular listener mike green and his lovely girlfriend megan who just had a baby baby mo uh, congratulations to you mike if you're listening and um yeah let's keep on keeping on i'll be back next week with another excellent episode of travel bubble as always so don't forget to subscribe and rate and like and share and comment etc and i'll see you next week you've been listening to me matty dias my guest harry mitzidis goodbye